Mundane Mystic is a podcast chronicling the adventures, both mundane and magical, of a suburban witch. That's me, your hostess, Jenna Fox. I'm curious where you feel like home, and if that is the place that you are currently living, or if that is the place where you were born, um, or if it's some place that you haven't yet experienced, but you just feel somewhere in your body that that place is home, and maybe you're one of those people that feels at home kind of no matter where they go. Um, and this is a topic that has just been on my mind, especially in the last couple of months as we sort of, as a family, um, spur of the moment decided that we were going to move and we stayed in the same small suburb of Seattle that my husband grew up in. We, um, just moved closer to our child's elementary school and, as I share a lot of my stories of my life, it's something that I am keenly aware of the privilege that I have in being able to share about um, being a homeowner, especially being a homeowner in the Seattle area where the prices of housing is just astronomical. The rent is through the roof and there's a lot of really wonderful conversations happening um, in the, in the area of trying to make it a place for more people to be able to live and to afford. Um, and so when I, when I talk about this idea of home and where I feel at home and where I want to be at home and where I want to raise my kids, I know that there are many people who don't have that luxury, who don't have that choice, right? And we're making the best of many different circumstances that we're in. But I've been thinking about this um, as as we moved and we moved in in the town that my husband grew up in. So I keep thinking about when I was a child, I was um, I was born and raised um, or I was born and then adopted into a family in uh, a suburb north of Seattle in a place called Lake Forest Park. And I lived in a two-story home that was built on um, a hill that used to be a Nike missile base. And it was decommissioned during, um, like, after the Cold War. And so it was a housing development, right? It was a housing development that in, um, it was like this, I think it was the 70s. I'm not quite sure when my parents moved in. Um, They were the first owners in this home. And my parents, um, my adoptive parents, that is, they uh, told us when we were growing up about how like their first couch uh, was stacked on milk crates. You know, they were newly um, graduated from college and they bought this house and they wanted to kind of have what we see as the um, traditional American dream, right? The, The house in the suburbs with the couple of kids and a dog and a white picket fence and sort of that, um, that myth that has been um, fed to so many people and is something that, of course, I am still perpetuating right in my own life. And so I grew up in this home and behind the house of my childhood. So I had my bedroom was on the second floor and I would look out of the bedroom and I looked into a forest. It was um, undeveloped 
cemetery land. So there was this little veteran cemetery, Abbeyview Cemetery, <clears throat> in, in a little tiny town called Briar, where my mom actually grew up. And <clears throat> so this, this cemetery had not yet developed, um, this, this land, this forest land. And so there were, um, owls and woodpeckers and possums and raccoons. Um, you know, there was a year where there was a raccoon fight in our backyard and, um, I was always terrified to take the trash out because um, <laughs> I'd scare a possum. And when I was a kid, I heard what I thought were wolves howling in the forest. And it turned out nobody believed me at first, which is actually something that I've written um, quite <laughs> a lot, a few vignettes about of this, this idea that like, I was a little kid, and I was scared of these wolves howling in the forest. And nobody believed me until one day, my dad was um, jogging uh, through the cemetery, and he came upon a coyote. And he realized that it was not wolves, right? But the urban wolves of uh, a little pack of coyotes that did in fact live um, in the the forest land behind our house. And so just growing up with this dichotomy of living in a house that was very similar to the houses next to me, right? And having um, a lemonade stand as a kid where I remember one summer where a man was driving a car and he yelled out the window. He's like, how do you ever, how do you even figure out where you're going in this place? Right? Because it was like a cul-de-sac and then another cul-de-sac and then another cul-de-sac. And I'm sure if you spend any time in the suburbs, you have found yourself in a housing development where you take a left or a right and you suddenly get in a little roundabout and you're like, how the heck do I get out of this little maze of, of homes? And that was my life, right? It was my life until I was 14. And my parents, um, we made this decision as a family to uh, move to eastern Washington. And it was actually really central Washington. But for the most part, we say eastern Washington, if it's anything east of the um, Cascade Mountains. And if you're not familiar with the landscape of Washington State, I'm not pretending or thinking that um, everyone is going to be listening to this podcast knows the you know the topography of Washington State or even the United States, right? So Washington State is in the upper left hand corner of the United States, the West Coast, um, with the exception of it is not as far north as Alaska, right? And um, I live in Seattle or the Seattle area. Um, which is on the west side of the state. And it's probably um, the west side of the state is maybe a third of the state in total, right? And, and I live in this large metropolitan area many different um, area codes, if you were to call us, whereas over on the eastern side of the state, which is actually a larger um, geographical um, portion of the state, you know, they have one area code for the entire area, just because there's fewer people. It's much more of an agricultural landscape, right? So when I was in junior high, um, my parents still live on this property where they have, you know, apple trees and pear trees and um, when I was a high schooler, I would wake up at like 530 in the morning to um, haul buckets of, of water up to the trough where we had five horses 
um, on the property that was spread out between um, me, our family, and our my grandparents who lived at a property next door. And, you know, imagine sort of like a pasture with like electric fences and five horses and a water trough and me kind of like hauling buckets of water and chipping ice away in the trough in the morning, which was quite a, a different experience, sort of living in this isolated rural um, place very much different than the suburbs that I grew up in. And so, you know, at the first chance I got really after college, um, I moved back to this area. And so this is where kind of the magic of home, the magic of home is something that I kind of want to talk about because it's something that I feel really impacts me um, on a, a a daily basis, right? Is this idea of where do I feel at home? And um, where is some place that I want to um, raise my children, right? I have the privilege of raising my children um, in a place where I feel at home. And not everyone has that opportunity, right? So I was, um, it was after college, I moved in 2007 um, back to Seattle and I was dating my my husband at the time and it had been a long distance relationship and he was back home in the Seattle um, suburb and I moved to the same Seattle suburb and I was living in this um, faux English style. It was called Cambridge Square Apartments, right? And it was just, it was just a normal apartment in a suburb, right? But it had this like faux English uh you know, appearance outside where they tried to paint it to look like little English cottages. And, and it was there that I started graduate school. And I even know I was living south of the uh, south of the city where I had grown up north of the city, there was just something always, whenever I would cross over the mountains and back to this side, the west side of this of the state, where I would just feel like I could breathe again, right? The landscape changes when you cross over the mountain. Um, Eastern Washington is hot and dry in the summertime, and um, the western side, like currently it's July, and I've been laying in bed, and (laughs) it's been raining, right? And now there's often summers where we get really hot days, and um, but we're, we're known more for overcast skies and tall trees, Douglas fir and Western hemlock and, um, Western red cedar and big leaf maple and just these beautiful, glorious, gorgeous, big trees and, and wet and rain. And we're near the Puget Sound and Lake Washington. And it just, it's really green and lush um, and so moving, moving over here a little bit south of the city feels, has a very similar feel as a little bit north of the city. Um, and this was where my husband grew up, right? So there was, there was a sense of rootedness that he had. His parents had lived in the same home, um, since he was a baby. And so there would be family dinners where I would hear stories of how, like, you know, they would joke like, oh, that was, you know, uh, your mother-in-law was, uh, painting the, the apartment or the, the house and, you know, gave birth and moved right into this house and it was still half finished. And, and so this is the place where my husband felt like it was home. Right. And, and I felt like I was back home. 
Um, and I was inexplicably drawn to this area, even though, of course, there was a little bit of a draw because I was dating um, my boyfriend, who then would become my fiancé, who I would then um, become married to. And so I was in graduate school for community counseling, um, and I was doing a lot of research on adoption and adoption issues, adoptee issues, specifically because I'm adopted, right? And so I had always known I was adopted, and I didn't really know much about my biological dad and his name. And of course, you know, one of the things in suburban life is you can hear my neurotic shih tzu in the backyard, in the backyard, right? Like he's just barking away and, um, at some passing cars. And so I was doing a project on adoptee rights and adoption reunion. And I figured that if I was going to be counseling people... And if I was going to be working with adoptees, that it would be pretty hypocritical for me to not uh, be in contact with my biological family. And so one of the things that I did was I called up my bio dad and I had um, looked up his name on, you know, whitepages.com. And I, cause I knew his, his, his first and last name, I had known it for a couple of years and and I called him and uh, we started, you know, chatting and he asked where I lived. And I was like, well, I live in these Cambridge Square apartments. And he was like, I grew up in that town, in that suburb. And that's when I started to feel like maybe there was something a little bit more um, magical, a little bit more ancestral that had been um, calling me to this place, right? Like I was living in an apartment that was next to the school he had taken some classes in and I was working at, um, you know, a high school that he and eight of his siblings had gone to, right? Like what are the chances? What are the chances that I would be in this small little suburb that my dad had grown up in, right? And so as somebody who's adopted, who had been longing for roots and kind of wanting to find this idea of home, um, especially thinking too about um, my history, not just my history, but the history of so many of us where we come from families where they've just kept moving, right? All the way back to like the 1600s and the 1500s and um, the the history of colonization and, you know, people moving west and pioneer trains and homesteading act and all of this kind of um, history of um, survival as well as destruction and the rippling effect that moving has um, continued to have, I think, on my sense of self, my my sense of just in my body and in my soul of like, where do I belong, right? And so there was something really anchoring for me to know that my family, I had roots here in this place, even though this isn't the ancient place that my family is from, right? That there is some history here. It isn't just, I just ended up here and it's, you know, a six month shallow roots. It's like, oh, there's 60 years here, right? Or in Washington state, there's a couple hundred years here or a hundred years here, you know? 
And so that's something I've been thinking about with um, my children is that we just recently moved into this house and it's something that I have really been wanting to provide a place that can feel like home for them. The last house that we were in um, was a really great house. It was a really sweet place to live and and I was sad to leave, but I know that in this home that I'm in, that there's there's a different energetic shift inside my body that feels much more like I'm rooting like the cedar tree in our backyard um, than in the other home, right? And so I think about that as far as kind of the mundane magic of just where do you feel, where do you feel comfortable and what ties you to a place, right? So I hold all of this and then I also, at the same time as I'm sharing about how connected I feel to the land and to the Seattle area and to the tree and my backyard and the Puget Sound and, um, you know, and, and the, the commute that I have to work. And then it's like, at the same time, I know just sort of the, the destruction of the land and the, and the indigenous people that were here and, and the way that the city is creating pollution and overpriced housing. And so this is something that I've been thinking about around my sense of home and how does that ripple out and how do I be a part of the community and how do I help make this community feel more like home for other people because it isn't just about me as an individual but it's that that rippling out um in our in our little suburb how do I make the people here feel at home? How can I be a part of that process of making sure that other people get the same experience or a similar experience that I get? Um, that they can feel safe in their body and comfortable in their, in their dwelling, um, in the different situations that they have a home or renting or, you know, so, so that is just something that I've been thinking a lot about is, place and space and you know the memories that my children will have just as I have memories of growing up um, in this area and what does it mean to be um, from a place and for a place so I'm curious your thoughts